Welcome to Rejuvenating with Dr. Ron Kaiser. This is the podcast designed to help you lead your life enthusiastically today, tomorrow, and every other day. I'm your host, Ron Kaiser. I'm a positive health psychologist, also a keynote and TEDx speaker, and author of the award-winning and best-selling book, Rejuvenating the Art and Science of Growing Older with Enthusiasm. My website is the Mental Health Gym. It's your source of information regarding all kinds of things related to wellness, including positive psychology, my own particular spin on it, which I call goal-achieving psychology, rejuvenating, and wellness in general. It's also the place where you can suggest future guests for this podcast. As podcast listeners know, we take great pride in having guests from throughout the world, actually, who lead their own lives enthusiastically and have different ways of helping us to be the best versions of ourselves in a positive and enthusiastic manner. And we're especially grateful today to have David Hennessy as our guest. Now, if that doesn't ring a bell, let me tell you that David Hennessy, about 20 years ago, created a holistic personal development program, which he calls the wonder technique. And he has continued to evolve that technique over the years, which is, you know, really terrific because some people get an idea, they get it out there in the world and the world changes, but they and their ideas don't. So this is terrific. David has presented the wonder technique at hundreds of workshops and seminars. His formal training is in psychology and nutrition. And he has traveled to over 20 countries and lived in three of them on a long-term basis, which, you know, not many of us could say. His goal is to give the fundamental tools of personal development to everyone on the planet. So uh, that's really an ambitious goal. I think I would settle for half the people uh, on the planet, but I'm older than David, so he may have the time to reach everybody. Let's let's hope so. So, David, welcome to Rejuvenating with Dr. Ron Kaiser. It's such a pleasure to have you joining us. Thank you, Ron. It's my honor and my pleasure to be on your show. Appreciate your time and everybody that's taking the time to listen. Well, David, you have quite an interesting background that my introduction probably did not do justice to, but I'm always interested in people's journeys and uh, I noticed that you didn't start out as kind of a developer of a, of a technique to enhance personal growth. Can you tell us a little bit about your journey to get to this point before we talk about the wonder technique and all it can do for people? Yes, I can indeed. Actually, my journey began where I was born in Ireland. And as a teenager, I moved to Canada. And then about uh, 12 years ago, I moved to France. So it's not equal 30, 30, 30, you know, 33% split, but there's a good chunk of time I spent in each country with uh, three completely different cultures and two different languages and many different experiences and different friends and different places. And uh, Ron, you're quite correct that I, the whole idea of root of the wonder technique and didn't happen to me when I was a young teenager. My dad did uh, 
try and convince me to explore personal development. But as a typical teenager, I wasn't interested. I figured I had all the answers when I had very little, if any. And it was when I, I many years later, when I moved to Canada and circumstances presented me a whole bunch of different experiences where I started to go a little bit deeper. I, I'd even already passed my education in psychology. And it wasn't that that was a turning point. It was actually the recognition that I was able to make complicated things simple that took place around a time when really the truth is when my mom was really sick in a hospital and I was working on helping her, like many other people were, trying to make things simple. And as most people, when we go through stressful moments in our lives, that's not the time to learn something new. That's a time where you work with the habits that you've got. And if someone's going through a stressful moment psychologically or physiologically, and you want to help them, you want to make things simple. And as a kid, I knew, uh, and even as a teenager, I knew how to make things that were complicated simple. But I never had applied it in the field of psychology and personal development until in the 1990s when I started the Wonder Technique. So was there just a general orientation that you brought to it? Did you come from business? Did you come from psychology? Did you come from social work, teaching? Where did this arise from? (laughs) Okay, I've always been a person that's been very contemplative and probably if I was to be categorized, I would be more introverted and extroverted, which simply meant that I'm happy to be on my own and contemplate ideas and work through them not just in psychology, but in many different areas. I think about lots of things, whether it's rockets and how they function, how artificial intelligence works, how the stock market works. Like I've got my mind in many different places. I'm always trying to understand things better and make them simple. That curiosity has been with me a very long time and I still have it today. Prior to the wonder technique, the birth of the wonder technique, shall we say, is that I did work a lot in sales. And it was around the time that, actually, no, it was at the time that when my mom came up with these challenges in her life related to cancer, that I was overwhelmed in sales. I was doing well, but I just felt like I was not doing exactly what I was supposed to be doing. And But I didn't have an answer. And I took roughly a year off and spent that time with my mom. And after she started to recover, I did the largest amount of traveling that I've done at one point in time which took me as far away from where you are, would be as into the Himalayas, in nor- in, unusually into northern Pakistan, close to Nangar Parbat, which is the ninth house, highest mountain in the world. A lot of people go through Nepal and Tibet to be in the Himalayas. I went a different way, so it was much more isolated, and traveled into a lot of different countries, and that helped open my mind so much more. I think traveling is a great way of getting you to see what's real in the world, and how different people operate in different parts of the world. I mean, I I see how people operate so very differently in France here compared to when I used to live in Canada. And then when I lived in Canada, I lived in Vancouver. So I, I didn't speak the language. I didn't speak any French before I got here. So there's not only the cultural difference, but there's the language difference and the language carries the culture. So to kind of Try to be more precise. Yeah, I didn't come from a social worker that experience, even though I'd gone through psychology and that I'd not been in the field that was typical of a person who would get into what I did. I just had some ideas that I that somehow came together after me working a lot on them. And if you want, I can share with how the birth of the wonder technique came about. Well, I think before we actually get into the birth of it, I yeah. want to make sure that. 
I ask that probably simple, too simple, but too important question. I know there is so much that you have out in the world about the wonder technique and some of the behaviors that that people can pursue, but let's let's make it a little less of a mystery. I, okay. I, yeah. I know we can't do it in a few minutes and give it, you know, enough credit for what it is, but can you give us a short course on the wonder technique? Yes. Um, how it came about was, as I mentioned, the inspiration was when I was working on things um, with my mom. What I had done over the years and even through my training in psychology and in lots and lots of books I had read on personal development and wellness and this is 20 years ago to frame things. I wanted to see how I could organize that for primarily my own health and well-being because I would get very stressed very easily. To give an idea for those people that listening can probably relate to for many, many years, even up into my 20s, and, and it can still happen, but very rarely, is I would feel just like the kind of sensation you have when you've got like influenza, the flu, the tension, uptightness, you know, you just don't want to do anything, you want to stay in bed all day. And I was like, my life was off center, and I knew that there was a solution to that, but I knew the solution was not just one action. I knew the solution would be a whole bunch of ideas and I wanted to bring them all together. And the wonder technique to be precise is a combination of ideas that includes how to, for example, get better sleep, how to simply take care of your nutrition in a manner that people of all ages can manage it. It's not complicated. It's much more simple. How we can manage our mental stress by how we frame our day, the importance, as you as you could see me around here, sipping on water here, the importance of hydrating yourself throughout the day, choosing activities, not only for your physical well-being, but choosing activities that psychologically are things that you enjoy to do. You know, there's, there's a little framing in there for me that's not always the same with everybody else where, yes, it's important to do physical exercise to remove stress and to move your body, strengthen your muscles, your bones, et cetera. But I'm a great believer in the fact that what you choose to do should be something that you're excited about doing. So that's part of it. So I hope I've given you a little sense of it. The Wonder Technique is a very large accumulation of ideas where I believe like the sum uh, is greater than the parts like Gestalt, where everything together has an impact. So if I want to calm my mind, I have to make sure that I'm sleeping better. I have to make sure that I'm eating the right balance of foods. I have to make sure that I'm properly hydrated. If I want to get the best results from exercise, of course, I need to be sleeping in, in a certain way. I also need to be nourishing my body the right way. Like everything rolls over. It's not a silo. Not one thing about our health and well-being can be separated out, in my opinion, and I can always be wrong, to say that this is the key. Does, so that, does that help? Yeah, that, that's real, real helpful. Okay. Uh, it kind of is, I guess the, the term holistic is what yes. comes to mind, that it, it's yes. really, you know, whereas some approaches uh, may emphasize one thing, you know, whether it, it be the body, the mind, social connections, things of this nature, it sounds like everything is kind of important and you give some guidance as to how to incorporate and utilize things that have proven to, to work. Yes, exactly. I created and I make and I continue to make tools, particularly using images or acronyms to help people remember information. So that's easy for them to practice in their life, because I believe really that we make as human beings, we have a tendency to make things way more complicated than they are. And we tend to separate things from one situation to another. 
And I'm of the belief system, which I could be proven wrong, as I like to say, of uh, full disclosure, that how we are in one part of our lives is the way we are in all of our lives. And we are accumulation of all the experiences that we have up to this moment in time that gives us the experience we have right now. And if we want to change our life in the future, we have to change what we're doing right now, not the past, but what we're doing at the present. So if we want to, you know, rejuvenating to use your, pardon me for using your, your trademark, <laughs> but it's a great word. It's fantastic. And I love that is the whole idea that if you, yeah, if you want to, you want to change your life, it can be very simple, but it requires you to take action. But I, I want to encourage all the listeners that even though there is so much information out there and there's so much more than there was even 20 years ago, and it's exponential um, the way the information is being brought out. But at the root of things, things are really quite simple. And I can give examples of that. I want to follow your, your guidance on, on what you would like to hear. Yeah, well, how, how about a, a couple of examples? Yes. Okay. F like in the food area, some people will agree or disagree with me. I mean, I've had nutritionists attend events that, because I've done a lot of work in conference work. And they'll, you know, they'll, they'll say to their clients, you know, when you're drinking, you know, make sure that you hydrate your body. And they'll say tea and coffee, orange juice, different sources of water are good. And I'll say, no, no, you just, you, water is the primary and I always remind people that, for example, tea and coffee are diuretics. They actually pull water out of your body. So you cannot replace a glass of water with a glass of um, a glass of coffee, sugar, a cup of coffee at the same volume. I don't give people an excuse. I just give them the clarity by saying this is important. OK, if you need to drink water, it's water what you need to drink. And that's what you know your body uses. All your cells of your body have some sort of basis that's coming from water. In terms of the food arena, I would say to people, go as close as you can to the natural source of that food. Now, this is going to sound so simple to you, um, to Ron, Ron, but not everybody thinks about that. We kind of wander off the path. Like if you, you know, there's orange juice and there's an orange. And it's like the orange is closer to its source. I mean, it's not on the tree. You're not pulling it off there. If you can get it fresh, superb. If it's local, even better. So it hasn't traveled, it hasn't been sprayed, it hasn't. So you're trying to get things to their closest to their natural source and get them as original as you can, because the more they are changed and manipulated over time, the less nutrition that they have inside of them and the less beneficial will be for your body. And plus yourself, as, as you would know, that the more foreign food is, the harder it is for your body to assimilate. I mean, when I started 20 years ago in doing work, at that time in Canada, there was a lot of controversy surrounding what was called trans fats. And that was because people were taking oil, vegetable oil, and they were pumping hydrogen through it. And that became made a chemical change to it. It transformed the fats and it created what they call trans fats and out of the cisk fats. But those fats, when people took them into their bodies and they created a form of margarine at that time, the body didn't know what it was. Like it's a foreign food. It wasn't really a food. So your body can't really assimilate and work with a food that's not a food. It's a substance. So as a simple way, going back to it, I always say to people, look for the closest to your natural source of foods possible. And also, if, for example, if you're looking to a food, if you eat animal-based foods, look at what the animals are being fed. This is really important, too. Because, you know, the difference between how they were raised, because if an animal is being raised on a diet that doesn't match with their natural diet, what's being raised is not what the animal should be. 
like you would be aware, for example, if you feed an animal on a source of food that is inflammatory, like a, a not to be too complex on it, but we have omega-3 and we have omega-6 as a simple term. Omega-3 reduces inflammation, omega-6 increases it. And it, when you eat a high grass diet yourself or greens in your diet and that you're typically getting into your body, omega-3s, like if your sources of foods could be from salmon or sardines and different things or vegetables that contain omega-3s, being really simple, these are not going to be inflammatory foods. But if you're eating something like soya or corn or different foods that have omega-6, which are inflammatory foods, and they will have a different impact on your body. And if an animal that you're consuming, if you choose to eat animals, is being fed a diet that is an inflammatory diet like soya or corn, let's say to a cow, when its natural diet would be grass, he's getting the wrong diet. So he's not going to be the same. Does this make sense to you? Like, it's not the same animal that he would have been in nature. It's like, you know what? I mean, there's all this stuff about what kind of foods we should eat. But the question always in my mind is, how natural is the substance that we're eating? Getting a little bit too deep maybe for the topic on that, because because oh. I can relate to the science because I've read a lot of the science and I try and pull it up into the modern world. But so I, I, I talk to people like, I think I once read that in, in a woman's breast milk, I think the ratio was roughly four to one between 06 and 03, omega-6 and omega-3. And I think that the average person is roughly 20 to one instead of four to one, like the ratio of inflammatory to anti-inflammatory substances. If I'm hearing correctly, and I think one of the things that impressed me just in looking at, at your work, and hopefully this isn't insulting, but I think it's not magic what you're doing. It's you're kind of, you know, pulling some things together that is known in the world, but not necessarily practiced and not coordinated. I mean, I, for example, in my book, I, where I'm not a, an expert in that area, but I encouraged in the healthy eating chapter to to shop the periphery of the supermarket, which yes. is where most of the fresh foods are. And you're taking it like one step more that in the periphery, there will be a difference between, you know, the different meats in there. You know, there, there are still some things that you might need to tweak more. But the uh, again, as I said, it's not like you're proposing something radical. It's just you're popularizing and combining some things that, have been proven to be to be healthier for you. Am I for correct? sure? Exactly. Yes, I'm. I'm a great proponent of believer in the simplicity of it. And just as another example relating to what you just mentioned in in the marketplace, we're touching a little bit more on foods here for those people who are listening. Back 20 years ago, one of the things I first wrote down was that I was reading a lot about phytochemicals, phyto being plant, and phytochemicals, chemicals from plants, whether we're relating to beta carotene, um, lycopene, all the substances that are inside plants that sometimes are lumped in as antioxidants and so forth. And what I was reading a lot was about they emanated, they give off a different color. Okay, for example, beta carotene tends to be orange or yellow and so forth. And it was, it was around the time when nobody had really started, they said, eat a colorful meal. And I started writing about the idea at that time about the practice of using the color of the rainbow. And so I had not encountered anybody else that did this, but I said, you know what? We learned in school, red, orange, yellow, green, indigo, and violet. Plus, when you take all the colors of the rainbow together, I said to people, they combine to become what color? 
white. So don't leave out onions and garlic. And when you go shopping, like you mentioned about the perimeter, you can do this with your children. You can do whatever age you are. Instead of walking into the store and saying to the the person there, say, listen, I need something with beta carotene. They're not going to know what you mean. Most cases, you need to shop for carrots. If you say, I need something with lycopene, which is really important for a man's prostrate, right? No, you need to get tomatoes. Let's make it simple. So red, orange, yellow, so you can shop with that. And what I found was the very most, probably the most interesting thing I found is nature provides us with an enormous amount of green foods, Ron. And what I recognized then was, is that we learned in school, as a, as a young person, I learned in school, that the green foods are typically green because of chlorophyll. And chlorophyll is a a blood detoxifier, a blood cleanser. So nature is providing us with green foods because they are really good in purifying our blood. I thought, wow, it's like all around us, mm-hmm. you know, but we don't have to make it any more complicated, you know, except what people have, you know, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a, you know, I'm not going to give people guidance on their diet, explore it with your own medical practitioner, but nature is saying to us, here's foods, go by the colors. Let's have fun. Let's make it simple and be visual. And I think that's much, much easier for people to say, okay, I go to the store. I can remember the colors of the rainbow. If not, I can practice. You can make up a little rhyme. You know, there's plenty of little rhymes out there. And that's making it, like you said, simple and easy for people to practice. You can get real deep into the science and I can do that with people if they need more details. But on the surface is where I want to be because that has enabled me to work with children that were in a school uh, dealing with cognitive difficulties as young as six and to people that have attended workshops that were in their 80s because everybody can relate to simple core ideas that the simplicity doesn't mean that they're not good. It just means that they're easier to practice. Now, this is this is terrific. And you actually may have anticipated my next question, which is, do you direct your efforts at any particular group, whether it be age group or whether they're deprived, impoverished, or in some way that, you know, that they may be lacking some of the, the nutritional components or you know, does, is it something that you can suggest for, for parents of kids, you know, to help promote the idea so that they don't get to, to a point where they then have to start over at some point? That's a very good question. And I know from experience over 20 years of sharing that I've never picked a particular age range, even though, you know, for good marketing, you would, you'd pick a niche. Like they always tell you, pick a niche or group. And I'm like, the world doesn't want me to do that. So I can't force that. It happens almost that the people that connect with me, it's they're open to the opportunity. When I ended up working at um, Eaton Arrowsmith, which is a wonderful school in British Columbia, Canada, it was because the director of the school, who is still, the, I believe he's still the director now, Howard Eaton, he heard about my work and he wanted me to come in and share with the students and the parents as well information about core principles of wellness and nutrition so that it would help them with their cognitive programming with their development. And Eaton Aerosmith, for those people, I'm no expert in Eaton Aerosmith program, but life changes for those students in those schools, not because of my work, but because of what Eaton Aerosmith has done. And it was my honor to come in because a lot of people with the stress in lives and just because the way we're raised, we're not taught in school fundamental things like financial planning, what's a good choice in food. And if we are, it's taught in a manner where it's very complex. 
or just very piecemeal. And mine is very holistic. So to answer that question again, no, I don't just work with a particular age group because I believe that most of these fundamental things apply to people right across the range. You don't need to drink no water because you're five years of age, 55 or 95. We all need to be hydrated. The issue of cognitive changes is pretty important for some of us older folks who always have this as as a fear. And it sounds like adequate nutrition, well, I guess nobody can guarantee anything, whether it be, you know, there there could be some congenital or inherited issues relative to the physical health, to cognitive health, and so on. But it appears that Aside from from everything that it does for for physical health, that adequate or appropriate nutrition really increases your odds cognitively. Am I correct? Oh, you were exactly right. And I think people need to talk to their, you know, their health practitioner that will teach them and look particularly into the idea of foods that are inflammatory and anti-inflammatory, because you don't want an inflamed brain. So let's put it this way. Mm-hmm. And when you when we think about how we eat. Uh, without pinpointing certain foods. For example, if you're trying to meditate, but your mind is all scattered, you know, you have to remember that your brain has got all those neurotransmitters and you're trying to connect ideas and calm things down. But if it's not properly nourished, just like your body physically is not properly nourished when you, after a result of exercising, you're working against yourself. And I would say that to my friends, everybody that's listening, that you it's not as complicated as it may sound, but you have to place it in the field that there's a lot of stuff more and more people realize that we're taking care of our bodies, but we're forgetting about the impact on what we do that impacts our minds. It's We're all together. It's not separated, right? It's a mind-body experience, but a very holistic experience. And as you get older, keeping up your cognitive development, just like when you're younger, remaining curious you know, the simple ideas for if you people that are listening, they're older, you've probably heard this before, but there's great things like whether it's doing a crossword, playing complicated card games or any card games, learning a new language. All those things are based upon a desire and motivation to be able to do something because that's what will get you to do it. And those things help you create more neural connections inside your brain. And you would probably know about this so. Wrong, you know, but how important that is, is to keep stimulating our brain uh, and so knowledgeable in the science. But I can just imagine that when we don't use our bodies, the body physically will atrophy, will fall apart. So is there a reason why our brain would stay all together if we're not using it? If you don't use it, you lose it. And yeah. That applies in so many things. And one of the terms you use, I mean, an inflamed brain even just sounds scary. It does sound uh, scary, what, doesn't What it? the experience of it is, because it's not good. But this has been really great information. There's one thing that uh, you kind of mentioned in passing that I think should not be lost on anybody. In my work, when I, particularly when I work with seniors, uh, I run into people who talk about, well, I've always eaten this way, or I've always been a smoker, or I've always, you know, not uh, been an introvert or not socially connected or Mm -hmm. things, you know, how am I going to change at this point? And is it worth even trying? You did mention the fact that, you know, you had a, a pretty stressful existence earlier that you managed to interfere with by making certain changes. So, Yes. I'm assuming that there's no reason that somebody, regardless of age, regardless of habits or so on, 
Kant incorporates the wonder technique. For sure. And actually, that was when I was younger. Now I'm well older than that point in time, Ron. And just to encourage people that are listening, within since I moved to France, a lot of things happened. And I will just skip through it rapidly for them to kind of see. But somebody might be able to relate to one of these things. I had, unfortunately, um, for example, my dad passed away since I moved to France. I was in two car accidents. And that led me to a back injury. Finally, when I was in a rock climbing accident that stopped me walking for six months, I was like a snowball effect. Things were happening. And I managed to stop this continuous roll downhill by actually putting on the brakes and saying, okay, what have I learned in my life so far that allows me to make changes and really change my life for the better? And for those people who want to change things in their lives, I would say the first thing you have to have is you have to have the motivation. If you're not motivated right now, I would say the simplest thing and respecting the time we have here, Ron, is that go into the future 5, 10, 20 years. And if you don't, if you're not happy with where you're at right now, if you're happy where you're at, don't change anything. But imagine 5, 10, 15, 20 years from now, 30 years. If nothing changes, will you be happy? If you have a back injury right now that's aching, it's not going to get better by you doing nothing. And it could be a lot worse in 20 years time. You may not be able to bend down and pick up your grandchildren or great grandchildren. So go into the future, look at where you don't want to go. Use that as motivation as you come back to this present moment in time, make a conscious decision that you're going to make changes and then just work on simple changes step-by-step pick one area of your life that you're going to work on. And then every day you focus on working on that habit, a great way of doing it. So simple like paper calendar on the wall, you know, as against a digital, because there's something about that tactile crossing off a day in the calendar. You know what? I went for a walk and it was X distance, right? Let's say it was walking you want to do. I'm not using any numbers. The ne- and the next day you did it, it's the second day, the third day. So there's a, you're creating a motivation inside yourself, but it's also a visual thing. That's for you. And once you start to create that habit, you can add another habit. And a great way of motivating is tying two habits together. If you want to build better relationships with friends, you got to take time to be with them. When it's possible to do that, maybe you go for your walk and you go for a walk with one of your friends. So you're sharing conversation with them and you're also walking your body at the same time. So it's two positive habits together. It's important that you do two positive things together. Some people will try and trick their bodies by saying, okay, I hate doing exercise, so I'll listen to the radio while I'm doing it. No, no, you want to pick an exercise you love to do. And then if you want to listen to music at the same time, great. Or have a conversation with a friend, great. So you tie together positive things. And then you're just accumulating over time. It's like compounding interest on a bank account. You compound the habits and you will change your life. You won't see it so easily, but it's going to happen over time. This is really tremendous advice here in a couple of things, both the tying together the two habits and particularly the small steps in the right direction. It really adds up. And when you talked about, you know, seeing yourself five or 10 or 15 years ago, I think you can apply that at every age. I mean, I'm as I've gotten older, I've started looking at the obituaries Mm. just because, you know, every once in a while I see somebody that I know. But one of the things that's impressive is how many people are in their 90s or over 100. So that, you know, that almost whatever age you are, you can look forward and anticipate. Again, there are no guarantees about anything, but you can anticipate that you're going to, to live, you know, perhaps decades longer. And it's a whole lot better to do it in good health, feeling the brain is active 
than kind of running out the clock. And uh, I think it's, you know, tremendous advice that you're giving. Now you have tons of tremendous advice. I, I don't know that I've had a guest on the show that has produced more information that's available to people. Some of it is, uh, I know there's a charge for, but most or much of it is you can get a whole library of stuff from you that that can really change a person's life. And while I wish we could continue talking for for quite a while, I think we're going to have to kind of supplement it by having people reach out and get some of the information about the wonder technique because it's so readily available. And I don't want to be your PR person because I don't know all the things that you uh, that you do, but I know you've got videos, you've got written stuff. Yes. Well, let me uh, let you, as we say in psychology, free associate about you know your products and services. Uh, For sure. And of course, it's a simple approach. People can find me at thewondertechnique.com. What they will notice, if they won't find me on most social media, I use the energy instead of spending time on Facebook or Instagram promoting my work, I use the energy to work with people I'm working with or produce more quality materials for people. So if they go to thewondertechnique.com, they'll find access to the videos that I make. There's a lot of videos that are all free. They're on, on YouTube. There's tons of um, blog articles. And then as well, as, as I mentioned, Ron, earlier, there's a package that people, if they subscribe to my newsletter, which is something else too, they get a 10 tips for your health and happiness, a 30-page ebook for free. They get mini motivational cards, better sleeping checklist, what I call the wonderful poster. That's all free. That'll give people a taste of it. And the, it's probably 95% of my work is at no charge. And then there's a, I have a membership site that is inside of my website and people pay, I think it's 10, uh, no, I do know what it is, but changing currencies because I'm in France, roughly $10 a month and they get access right now to 10 courses. So 160 audio, 12 videos, like, but they can use all those courses. If they want to do all those courses in one month, they'll just pay for one month. It's like their access is in the door. Like you go to an endless movie scene right, kind of thing. But I want to make things that are easy access to people. And But there's a lot of information available. So my goal is to help, as you mentioned in the introduction, to give people the core principles of health and well-being of personal development so that they can live their lives and whether they're planning time to go traveling, working on a business, playing with their grandchildren, that they don't have to focus so much on their health and well-being because they got that covered. Yeah, and David produces so much that, you know, it's pretty hard not to find some things that are going to be beneficial to you. And, and if you sign up, I believe you continue to get things, at least I get things in my email from you that, uh, you know, are continually updating things, make me aware of things. So I think everything starts with the wondertechnique.com. Yep. Mm-hmm. Everything's we'll, there. We yep. will obviously have that in the show notes. And, you know, again, it's a holistic approach to well-being. It's right down our ballpark in terms of enthusiasm, leading your life in a way that you can become the best version of yourself that that you can. And you know, you can get a, a real course in how to do it. And just uh, with minimal effort, you just look at the, the stuff that David has produced, and it's going to help you in terms of your life and your enjoyment of life. And I mean, this has been just tremendous, David, I really appreciate you spending the time with us, sharing your ideas, 
making people aware of the wonder technique and how they can uh, benefit from it. And I just can't thank you enough for being with us. Really, really appreciate it. Thank you, Ron. And thank you for being so grateful. And thank you for everybody that's taking the time to listen. I appreciate yourselves. And that's going to wrap it up for this issue of Rejuvenating with Dr. Ron Kaiser, the podcast designed to help you lead your life enthusiastically every day of your life. And we got all kinds of ideas and they'll keep coming if you reach out to David's information. It'll all be available in the show notes too. So uh, if you are driving, drive safely. You can download it from the show notes. We're looking forward to next week with another interesting guest. Hopefully everybody's going to stay safe and everybody's going to grow in a positive direction. That's the goal of the podcast, to help you become the best version of yourself wherever you are in the lifespan and whatever your history may have been of personal growth or not, but there's always time to grow positively and we certainly encourage it. Again, the website is the Mental Health Gym. Please visit it for more information about how to become the best version of yourself how to function positively, utilizing the principles of positive psychology and goal-achieving psychology. And so until next week, I am going to sign off. This is Dr. Ron Kaiser. Everybody stay safe, stay positive, and thanks again to our guest, David Hennessy.